Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror-adjacent films that you can stream on the internet. Today, we are reviewing a little film called Lamb, the movie that makes me want to put my cats in little sweaters and make them walk around with me, because that's not weird. That's not no! weird! No. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the half-human, other half-also-human, Mars! Hello! Hey, girl. How are you? I am Roasty Toasty in the podcast RV. Oh, you mean the podcast studio? The podcast studio. Yeah, for anyone who did not listen to the last episode, I have migrated to the RV to record podcasts because it means I get to see creepy shit happening in the cemetery in real time. Okay, so I feel like because we, there was so much going on in the last show, we did not properly explore what went down during the last recording. Can you talk a little bit about that and tell me if there are any updates on what on that? So no updates. This was Damn it. just as ghostly as it seemed in the moment. But uh, last episode we recorded Final Destination 3 and you know, Larry and Justin were here. We were all talking, hanging out, having a good time. Meanwhile, I'm facing the window out into the cemetery. And I glance up. Like, I, here's the thing is I like, I swear, I think I looked away for not that long. And then I looked back and there was a circle of children sitting on the ground in like a duck-duck-goose circle. Right? And so then there weird. was there was one child doing the duck-duck-goose motion, except for there was never a goose. And I understand that that's like a, a strategy that some kids use where they just go right. in a circle like nine times just saying duck right. and then all of a sudden it's the goose because they're trying to, you know, suspense. But so this kid is just circling, tapping heads, no goose. And the other thing, <laughs> no adults. Like, and these kids were not like mm. high school kids or something, you know, these were not like small freshmen. These were like little kids. What? So the whole time I'm watching, no goose. I glance down. For half a second. It was just, I literally just turned to grab my surge and turned back, gone. Not even like I can see them retreating into the distance so I can see like a few stragglers, gone. And I even did the like the lean around the curtain thing to be like, they've got to just have moved off to the side or something, right? No, gone. So <laughs> I don't know what demons ritual I watched, but I think I saw a demon ritual. Oh my gosh. I mean, or do you think it was just like a moment where everybody thinks, oh, Halloween is the time of year where the the you know line between our world and the beyond is the thinnest. Like maybe it was actually whatever that date was. Was it near midsummer? Were we at like a solstice of some kind? Oh, we were. Actually, it was the first day of summer. The technically the first day of summer. <gasps> See, okay, yeah. you saw some wacky. You it saw some midsummer shit. You're yeah. lucky. You are lucky. They didn't break out the freaking ashtupa and the the hammer, yeah. and uh, you I didn't get glazed. that weird like lung thing that happens in that. Oh Remember, God. there's a person whose lungs are exposed and still breathing. Like, oh, I peered through the veil, and I had no idea. Yes, you, you did. You peered through the veil. And here's the thing: is I keep like kind of moving my head to see if they're back. Every time I'm out here now, I'm like, I'm yes. Back. I mean, I here's the thing: do you have access to a cam? Like, is your phone nearby where you can if if should the veil once again become permeated enough that you could witness the, the Midsommar dancing? Would you have access to a camera to document it? Closest I have is my phone. I okay. wish I had thought of that the first time, but I didn't. I was like right. too in the moment of like, the fuck? Now I have to narrate what I'm seeing. So I right. have It was also people... late in the show when we were all feeling a little. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like the cemetery is completely like empty right now there's no one around so i don't know but we'll see we'll see as time goes on oh my god that is so crazy 
I, yeah. that, that cemetery always gives, I gotta say, she is serving <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> from episode one of this podcast to episode 92, 93. I think this is episode 93. She is serving. So we, yeah. we thank you cemetery for all of your service. For all that you give. <laughs> and like, here's the thing is in the, in like Halloween times, it's common to see at nighttime, like in the actual dark, it's common to see like teenagers out there doing spooky shit. And, like, of course. Things, to the point where that's not weird anymore. I'm like, yeah, those are teenagers. Like I, that's that was really? just me in high school. Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. I'm like, I did shit like that all the time. Right. So like, that's not weird. But what little was weird kids was little mm. kids doing a never-ending duck-duck goose ritual on the summer solstice. And I was like, that those are that's for some reason super way more creepy than gothic teenagers trying to take pictures of orbs yeah. in Halloween times. Yeah, I gotta say though. Like that was definitely my MO when I played Duck Duck Deuce as a kid because you always wanted to be the picker, right? And then if you did it too soon, like your time in the sun was over so fast. So I definitely did a few laps before picking my goose. Oh yeah. I mean No wonder I, I ended up doing podcasts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my need for attention has always existed apparently. <laughs> also, I don't know why but, and I don't know what it would pertain to, but picking my goose feels like it needs to be a, some sort of phrase. Like some sort of picking my goose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm taking forever to I'm picking my goose. I'm picking my goose. Like, yeah, I, I, we gotta figure out the best use for that because I do it it, it does feel like a, a thing. It's got a good feel to it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Good mouth feel to yeah, pick it a goose. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So I have a little bit of a warm-up question. I want to know from you, what is the scariest and the cutest human hybrid? Okay. Scariest? Uh-huh. So it'd be like half human, half yeah. something else. I think I'm going to go with cutest first. Okay. Let's go I think cutest. the cutest one. Mm-hmm. obviously yes kitten human oh it would be so cute right? oh my god when like... i was walking in miami this week this earlier this week these kids were like coming across the street and he, one of this guy comes up and he's like you want to pet my kitten he had a little kitten with a collar on and i got to pet it and oh it was a teeny tiny handful of kitten this last weekend <sighs> uh the lover and i on a just we are having just a really easy week because he knows how stressed i've been so i was like i want zero plans Anything that we do needs to just be a, hey, you feel like going for a walk kind of thing. Yeah. So um, also, I don't know if I told you this, but we've taken up skateboarding. Did I mention this? <laughs> no, but that's awesome. Yeah. So he skateboards. I longboard. And so on. And I'm t- far too tired on during the week. So on the weekends, in the evenings, when if it's not too hot, we'll go out for a few hours and he'll skate and do try to do fancy skateboard stuff. And I just I love it. Slow cruise. No, like small inclines. Like I'm not a hill person, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. yeah. So we <laughs> in, any out... uh, to any uh, definition of that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're not so, someone who goes up hills. You're also not a person who lives in the hills and has no. eyes. If you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, I am a level surface lady. Yeah, yeah and uh, yeah. so we went out just kind of skating, and walking around. Like we walked around downtown and just kind of like we're just kind of, you know, improvising, walking around. But we found this toy store that we've never seen before that. It, like, was pretty much all, like, vintage toys. So it wasn't anything new. And it was, cool. like, they were, like, really in really good condition vintage toys. And the guy popped out of nowhere. Like, we walked in. 
And then the lover was immediately saw a bunch of like 1970 Star Wars figurines. Oh, of stuff. course. And he was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And the owner pops up out of nowhere, like somewhere from the back of the store, like noticed us somehow, <laughs> comes running over and he's like, oh yeah, let me show you this. And so he had a, like a rack of like vintage Star Wars figurines that were no longer in the original packaging. So they were in little like plastic, like, you know cheap plastic cases or whatever and he was taking them out to show us like the different features and the way different things moved and different droids opened up and stuff and then he got super nerdy and of course this is all the stuff that the lover already knows so they're just getting like they're just feeding each other's energy but she was like oh yeah this is i can't remember the name of the droid and he goes but the thing is is that it's canon that this one can send is droid or force sensitive so in the whatever episode blah 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 when it destroys itself it's because it knows that luke needs r2 so it sacrifices himself but then also if you watch the mandalorian he shows up in season two ah uh, yes 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 I and know i was you're like, referring to now as he like popped it open to show that there's like a beacon or possibly a torpedo i don't know there was something inside of it and he was like yeah and then he opens up and anyway it's so this guy basically just took us on like a tour it was like being in a toy tour because he would walk us in and be like oh and then this one came out and whatever and he's super knowledgeable he said he started the store with a vintage Y-Wing figurine, and then he started collecting, and then he started reselling. And now that's what he does is he buys vintage toys online, cleans them up, or, you know, whatever, if they're not in their original packaging, then resells them. Uh-huh. But we're walking around, and I'm just kind of, like, floating along, just like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And, like, oh, look, they have uh, micro machines of the Jurassic Park Jeep. That's rad. And then I just hear the lover go, baby, I think I just found something of interest to you. And I turn around, and what? there is a little kit, a kitten in a pink <gasps> harness, asleep on a blanket oh, on a box. Oh, oh, no. And the guy, the guy goes, "Oh, that's Kiki." And I was like, "Can I touch her?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, she'd love it." So the cat was asleep. I touched her, and she did that double paw, squeeze the face. Oh move. my god! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Lost that is it. It's the cutest. Done. Kiki. The I've rest- even met Kiki, and I love her rest of that visit blocked from my memory i don't even know what happened after that and she didn't even yeah. really wake up she was just so comfortable and, t- and sleepy that she was just letting me pet her and she like was barely and he was like oh it looks like she's having a good dream he was like oh my god nothing I makes me happier store. than walking into a bookstore and there's a bookstore cat oh right that's the greatest thing in the world or a bar cat there's like oh. a, there's a bar yes. we used to go in san francisco that had a bar cat or and i would be like cat. like i know you're supposed to go there and you meet people and no now, now I'm just drinking and petting a yeah. cat and having the best time ever. Oh, there's the there's a liquor store that we go to, and like to the point where we're like friendly with everybody who works there. And there's a guy who works there. He's an older gentleman. He works there on the weekends, and he brings in his Yorkie puppy, Ooh. and her name is Puddles. Oh, and she is so cute and wiggly and tiny and shiny and soft. Oh. And all she wants is to be everyone's best friend. The the first oh time God. we saw her, we were leaving, and all of a sudden we just hear. And I turn around and she was running and then tried to flip on her belly so quickly that she slid a little like a like a Fast and the Furious car sliding into a parallel parking space. And she just like stopped with her belly presented and was like, I'm ready. And then that's another time we were in there and she was in a cart, like a grocery cart behind the counter, but we couldn't see the cart. So we're just standing in line. And all of a sudden this little head pops up and I was like, <gasps> and then she and it's like a, a stainless steel countertop. So it's kind of slippy for a little puppy. Mm-hmm. and so she like puts a paw on and she's all tended and puts another and then the tail starts going when she realizes it's working and then she gets a back paw on and then the next one and then she just comes tinking across the counter like oh hello 
I'm just proud of. <laughs> I see you have a free hand and I've got a belly. And she, like, <laughs> and she almost fell off the counter because she was just rushing headlong towards us. And if it wasn't, oh there was a gosh. guy in front of us and he just sticks out a hand and catches her. And he was like, oh, my God, she's so cute. Like, yeah, yeah, Yorkies are so cute. Yes. And she's a little baby. She's like, I think he said she's like six, seven months old or something like that. So she's like baby, baby. And she's so mm. cute. Oh, my God. Ugh, but anyway, yeah. sorry. I just sidetracked real hard. Cat, All right. Well, let's cat circle back. Okay. cat, Kitten, human hybrid, the cutest. All right. What is the scariest? I wanted to go with a not stereotypically scary animal and try to yeah. be uh, unique with this. But honestly, I think I'm just going to have to go like snake Ooh, like snake thought, head and one snake tail arm or something i thought for sure you'd go shark yeah see you know that might be worse than snake. yeah you know what would be like the most upsetting is some sort of like invertebrate human hybrid like a leech human hybrid <gasps> oh yeah oh spider human hybrid oh i know i tried not to go there that <laughs> obvious, <laughs> like it's uh... just like the two the legs are just the Ugh. two uh, they tell you in, that there was a black widow in the garage of my new house no <sighs> yeah oh no yeah. so now there are like spider traps all over my house <laughs> oh my god okay so uh, i was in the rv setting up before we started this oh no and i had the door open and okay. it's like it's kind of warm but it's not like i'm gonna die in this tin can warm but i had the door open i had a fan going i was just trying to get the air moving and I'm sitting here and I'm just kind of like enjoying, you know, the weather and being off work and stuff. And then I see this like, I don't know, it was, it looked like, it kind of looked like a dragonfly, but it was a little small. And I was like, oh, baby dragonfly. And it's like booping its face against the side of the RV. And I'm like, oh, little baby dragonfly, I'm going to get up and take a look at you. It was a fucking black wasp holding a worm. <gasps> and what? So in the Lovecraftian insect nightmare is that? Because here's the thing. It wasn't even one of those, like, the yellow jackets that you see all the time. It was one of those black ones, like, the super nasty one. And it was holding this, like, it wasn't, like, an earthworm or anything, but it was holding this little worm, which I know they do. They, like, take insect prey back to their nest or whatever to uh -huh. and feed their babies. But it was bumping against the side of the RV, holding this worm. It was the most horrific thing I have seen in a very long time. And then, of course, because I'm standing there, it starts heading towards the door. And I have to, like, reach the, I mean, the RV door opens out. So I have to reach out of the RV to grab the door. And I'm, no. it's, like, right near me. It's, like, within, no. I don't know, eight inches. And I'm just trying to get the door because I was, like, if this, if this thing makes it in the RV, I'm burning it down. Because this <laughs> is clearly an omen Yeah, that is disastrous bleak. evil. It was yeah, so that is sinister. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. It wasn't no. even like the wasp alone would have been like, oh, shit, I'm scared of bees. But this was a wasp carrying a worm that it was taking home. Like, <sighs> yeah, that's troubling. Yeah. That was... is horrifying. So I closed the door and I was like, that's okay. I'll just, I'll just fry. That's fine. And I could see it bouncing against the window. And, I ever... and then when it went over the frosted glass in the door, I could see its little shadow. And I was like, <sighs> and then later... I had to go get something out of the house. When I came back out, I was continuing to set up and just kind of hanging out. And I saw it again, but I was like, okay, is this that fucking wasp or is this like a fly or something? And I'm just attributing wasp to everything. It was the wasp, no longer worm though, which means it made it to wherever its destination was, deposited its food, and then went back out on the hunt again. That is and I'm horrifying. I'm very disturbed. That is horrifying. So I'm a little worried that its nest is in the roof of the RV. 
because it was bumping along the top seam or like the awning is i mean that is I'm a little worried i mean that would explain why it was able to like deposit its food and still come back yeah yeah so that's that's concerning that's very concerning to me i would i would be concerned yeah especially Ooh. since we haven't unrolled the awning ever so oh, who, who knows what you're gonna find in there. there yeah and that what's gonna just come dumping down on us so i am very worried make sure but, you're not present for that i think that's the key yeah that feels like a later problem to me yeah 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 mm -hmm. yep mm -hmm. yep 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 all right well i feel like we answered that question a little too well so. yeah <laughs> all right cool all right well so let's get into this review of lamb now you picked this movie what made you decide on this one for us I saw the trailer a while ago before mm -hmm. it came out and it just looked, I don't know. It looked like something that I wanted to see. It looked creepy. It looked strange. It looked yeah. uh, not like your standard horror movie kind of thing. And I, I do like the slow burn horrors, like the really ominous long shots of spooky scenery kind of movies. And then I found out it was in Icelandic, which I found out like, <laughs> I don't know, three days before we yeah. watched it for this podcast. But uh -huh. I just, I don't know. I let I let subtitled movies stand in my way a lot, and I don't yeah, see a lot of things too. because of subtitles. Because it's just it's hard to read and also watch the screen, and then you know I yeah. feel like I miss things. Not so much the case with this one. There's so little dialogue; it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, there's so little dialogue, and it's a lot of really long shots. So yeah, it's like true, true. It, it's a good balance. I think this is if you have a hard time with subtitles, this is this is one that you can watch and still fully enjoy despite subtitles. Yeah. But yeah, I just really wanted to see it, and it was my choice, and it just came up on Paramount Plus, and I'd been eyeballing it for a few weeks now because I'm like, I want to mm -hmm. watch that, but it's subtitled, yeah. yeah. so this just seemed like a good, a good opportunity. Plus, now we get to talk about it, which I'm very hell yeah, I I love that. There are so many movies out there that I'm just like, I just need to like, I need to process this with another human, <laughs> and so I'm yeah. going to use my powers as the picker, <laughs> right? I mean, and I've honestly. That card. I don't think I would ever watch this because I was worried about the animal violence aspect of it. So it's good that you like use your forcing power. Yeah. I mean, I've also used it for evil though in the past. So. Of course. Of course. I mean, as we know. all do, we got to keep each other on our toes, right? Yeah. You know, rim <laughs> all of the right. world. Yeah, exactly. All right. So before we go further, why don't you let our listeners in case anybody's new here, know what, how we handle spoilers on this here podcast. So we are going to, talk about the entire movie from beginning oh, yeah. to end and oh, yeah. all of the details everything thoughts feelings events plot everything especially the end in this one because i need help processing so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we will be yeah. discussing the ending i immediately turned to the internet and i was like tell me what this means right. <laughs> yeah so if you haven't seen lamb now would be your time to dip out go to paramount plus or wherever you get your movies watch it mm -hmm. and then come back as I always say, I'm always a proponent of not being spoiled on anything. Yeah. But this one, I really wouldn't go in yeah. spoiled because it's. I think so much of it is the experience of not quite knowing what's going to happen. You really kind of do, but then the way some of the I don't know. I yeah. think it's a good one to definitely not be spoiled on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Awesome. Okay, so Lamb. Let me give you a little background for this. This is a 2021 folk horror film directed by Vladimir Johansson. And it stars Numi Rapace, Hilmar Good. Okay, I'm just going to say this right off the top, folks. 
if we have Scandinavian listeners in the audience, which we probably do, I, I in fact I think I know for sure we do. I'm just this is my blanket apology. I'm gonna get this wrong. This is not me disrespecting a culture. This is me being a dumbass and not being prepared. And so I apologize off the top. This is gonna be bad, but I shall do. I shall endeavor to do my best. But there are a lot of there are a lot of uh accents and umlauts and and things and that a, I'm... a lot yeah a lot of characters that we do not have in like English letters album. that are sm- smooshed together no, like what does that it are mean if, what does it mean if they're back to back like that i still do not know what does it mean when there's like a little cross on the d's yeah so i'm going to get this wrong and i acknowledge that up front and i apologize okay so it stars numi rapace hilmar snare gudensen jorn hilnir haraldson that sounded it sounded vaguely like listen i listened to some black metal back in the day i'm practically (laughs) (laughs) so okay so yeah it was co-written by valdemir johansson and hyun who is a a scandinavian author who's co-written a couple of other films that we probably you've probably heard of which are the northman which he co-wrote with robert eggers which is that viking epic that came okay. out last year and then yeah. he also co-wrote the 2000 york starring film dancer in the dark oh my gosh really yes alongside lars von trier <laughs> so like yeah we've heard of this guy right yeah uh, <laughs> let's see here so the story of the lamb of lamb was actually inspired by a nightmare that johansson's had where this is our first spoiler of the night. So folks, if you haven't seen it, this is your chance to dip because this is a pretty big spoiler that I'm about to give. So grab your phone, hit the old pause, head to Paramount Plus, we're in the spoiler zone. So yes, he had a nightmare about the Ram Man, essentially. Oh. Yes. So he was told the story at a Q&A at, uh, I think it was like the London premiere, about having this nightmare about a giant, these giant rams that were eating polar bears. Oh, whoa. Yeah. And so the idea for the film started with that. And then he kind of like worked back from that to, to kind of flesh out this story. Okay. So it was an international co-production between Iceland, Sweden, and Poland. And uh, it is actually uh, Voldemir's first feature-length directorial debut. He does oh. short films, but mostly his career has been in like the camera and electrical department. Like he's an electrician on a lot oh. of films. He huh. worked on things like Game of Thrones, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Noah, uh, Oblivion, which is a very underrated Tom, like an underrated Tom Cruise sci-fi film that I really like. And he also did special effects. He was a special effects technician on Rogue One, Fast and Furious 8, and Prometheus. Oh. Yeah. So I think you can kind of see that he is more visually oriented, typically. And you can see that in this film because this movie is incredibly beautiful. Oh, yeah. So the film premiered at Cannes in 2021 and was released in the U.S. uh, that same year. And was selected as the Icelandic entry for the Best International Feature Film at the 94th Ad Academy Awards. Uh, as you, you said, you can now watch it on Paramount Plus and on Showtime. And I have some fun facts about it. I'm stealing from Larry here with his trivia. Oh, I this love is, the trivia. Right? There's isn't a ton, but I think these are actually kind of interesting. The first one is that this is the highest grossing, grossing motion picture in the history of Icelandic cinema. Holy shit. Yep. It, but I mean, to be fair, the numbers are not that huge. Uh, it earned over a million dollars in its first weekend alone. Oh, wow. So 
you know, still it's historic as, uh, so it is also, it's the most in theater attended film from Iceland in the U S theaters. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it did like, they were very happy with the opening, even though it was kind of small, um, because it was like up against things like James Bond and some other like sort of blockbusteries that weekend. Which really good luck to anybody who's opening the same weekend as a James Bond. Especially with like an art horror film. Yeah. (laughs) I think the A24 of it definitely helps. Numi Rapace is definitely one of those people that people think if you like Numi Rapace, you just kind of see everything she's in. That's like kind of my, my jam. That's um, actually one of the reasons why I also wanted to see this is I, I love Numi Rapace. I could look at those freaking cheekbones. Right. For oh my gosh. eternity. Yes. Yeah. So Numi actually, this is the first film that she's ever actually spoken her native like Icelandic. Uh, her grandmother had a farm in Iceland that she would go to as a child. But despite that, she still had to learn a lot of things for this film, including how to help sheep give birth, which she does in this movie. I was wondering because I was like, she's got to be that's got to be real. Like It's that, real. You know. Oh, my yep. gosh. Yep. There was like a like all the animal stuff like they basically were just animals that lived on this farm. They were not like film animals. And so there were like times where like animals would be a little activated and they'd have to have like a timeout on set while the uh. while the sheep calmed down. Aww. Like there's one part where the sheep chases them and that looks, I was like, ooh, that looks <laughs> a little intense. Um, okay. And then finally Ada's mother. So Ada, the little lamb hybrid, her tag is 3115, which corresponds to a Bible verse, which is Jeremiah 3115. Um, and it's very appropriate for sort of the themes of this movie. I'm guessing you're not familiar with Jeremiah 30. Is that a safe I bet? I am not. No. Okay, well then I shall read it to you because if you already knew it, I didn't want to waste your time. Okay. A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. That's a good one. Ooh, That's a good spooky. One. All right, so that is what I have got for the background for this. So let's get into the actual review. Tell me about Lamb. So uh, Lamb opens in what will become one of many just amazing scenery shots. Mm-hmm. And But this one is, I, okay, I kind of like the way this one starts, where it's all misty and you're like, ooh, misty. Yeah. But then you hear the growling, like that breathing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. whatever is breathing is moving through the, I don't know what you would call it. Is it a tundra? Is it a field? I don't know. But it's moving through this, across this field. It's, it scares this herd of shaggy little ponies. And it makes its way to the, a barn, this secluded barn. Inside of which is where this flock of sheep is staying warm and out of the blizzard. I love all the she- all the shots of the sheep staring out the windows. <laughs> like they just, yeah. I don't know, something about the animals in this, even the dog has very like, like emotive eyes yes you know so like i love or there's a shot at the end of this scene where all the sheep are standing in the open doorway just kind of like staring out into the blizzard i loved that shot that was so cool yeah it looked because it looked like the sheep were having like people thoughts you know but like yeah and i think this is carries out throughout all of the animals in this which is interesting because i feel like you also are watching the dog and the cat do the same kind of thing where they're like processing what they're seeing yeah it was crazy it was kind of mm-hmm. crazy to see that much emoted in an animal's eyes like the dog looked almost animated like but i know oh, that I know. they just have 
eyes like that that breed that dog but, uh, is so cute oh i lo- also love the the sound that the sheep make my brother yeah. has a farm and he has sheep on them and they're really cute but they have the most annoying voices and like you oh have my to, god if you have like in the morning when we're like drinking coffee if you haven't fed them yet they just and you oh my god don't leave the window open because they just like they like bah or whatever it's called just like nonstop, nonstop. so you come and feed them and they have the most annoying voices whereas these ones i thought they their voices were actually very cute they reminded yeah. me of my cat who kind of has, uh, a, has like a meh kind of yeah. meow. <laughs> yeah. And so like they're very cute. And like you said, like they're very emotive and kind of almost comical in the way that they're like looking out. You know what I mean? Through, yeah. Through that doorway that I was like right away. I was like, I love these sheep. Please don't let anything happen to these sheep. Yeah. <laughs> so the the breath, the breath growling sound. Yeah. Makes it to the barn, makes yeah. it inside the barn. The yeah. sheep start jostling to get to the other side of the barn, and they yeah. all just rush their way through except for one. Yeah. And this one, once it gets through the little opening, it kind of slow walks through, whereas all the other sheep had been pushing and shoving, and then it just sort of collapses. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in the actual like farmhouse, our two of our main characters, Maria and Ingvar, are sitting down to suppose I'm guessing Christmas dinner because the radio is playing, it's playing Christmas music, and the, mm-hmm. the announcer says something about being Christmas time. And then we get that super creepy shot from outside of the house where whatever is out in the snow, bright like breathe growling, is watching Maria through the window. Mm-hmm. Which I really liked that shot a lot. Yeah. Sorry, hang on, I'm seeing something weird in the cemetery. Uh, oh, get out your phone. It's that was just kind of I don't know. It was a truck. And then okay. someone was standing on the, you know, that step that trucks have outside of the driver's side door and the passenger side door to get in. Yeah. There was someone standing on the outside with like hanging onto the window, but it looked like they were just casually standing there talking to the driver until the truck started moving away. And then I realized that that person is just clinging to the outside of the truck while it drives away. Is this sort of like a modified ghost ride the whip that's happening? <laughs> I do not know because I technically did not see a driver. I'm assuming there was a driver in there, but I did not I have not visual I have no visual confirmation of that. But that was true. And it was like it wasn't like the person was like hanging on in like an action pose like, "Whoa, I'm doing a thing." He was just standing there with his arms on the windowsill like, you know, a person does when they lean in to talk to mm-hmm. someone. And then, like, legs, like, one leg, like, kind of crossed over at the ankle across the other one that he was standing on. Like, people do. Like, a casual leaning into a car to talk to someone stands, but he was on that step. And then the car, like, the truck drove away with him still on it, and he was just casual. Didn't move. Okay. That was weird. I've lost. I They have driven out of sight now, but. Well, thank you for the update. Keep me posted yep. if other weird shit happens, because, you know, I'm lazy. I'm nosy, and I want to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so super creepy shot. The, you just hear that growling, that breathy growl kind of sound, and it's watching yeah. Maria through the window, who she can't see because she's, you know, lit inside of the house. Um, a few months later, which we know that much time has passed because the snow is all gone, uh, we get a lot of like these really kind of beautiful shots of Maria and Ingvar doing their, you know, their farm work, doing, you know, tractor stuff, sheep tending stuff. They have a conversation over breakfast about time travel and so like i mean we go into this movie already knowing that they're childless um as to whether or not they couldn't ever have children or if they lost a child was kind of a reveal in the movie but i i think this is kind of the first moment where you realize they probably lost a child because maria makes a comment about like well if you could go forward in time you could probably go back in time too and 
looks are exchanged. They seem like very disconnected from each other, but not uncaring. Mm-hmm. Like it seems the the way that they uh, interact with each other in the beginning of this movie, and then you know it increases as they find happiness, quote unquote, is very like there is some sort of wall between them. But neither of them has left, not because of like oh well, where am I going to go, but just like they do care about each other. But mm-hmm. a wall has formed that neither seems to be able to to get through. Right, um, right. You can sense that like tension that's, yeah, that there's something yeah. being unsaid in this moment. And you can see, like he says the thing about the time travel and then she's like, you could go back in time. And he's like, fuck. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wrote in my notes, parentheses, cattail walks in because there's that shot where she's sitting by herself and you just see the top of the cat's curly tail walk in from the camera, like mm-hmm. at the bottom of the screen. I thought it was super cute and I wanted to talk about it. But because the cat also... I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what consciousness this cat has, but I kept expecting it to talk like in voices. <laughs> There's a version ex- of this movie where it's just from the cat's perspective. <laughs> yeah. Because there are a few times too with the cat where it's like, you know, that cat is like, oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, both the, both the cat and the dog have this, they also have sort of this tension that like obviously by the end of the movie we understand what they're sensing and all those kinds of things that come but but it's kind of a way that the tension is sort of like the horror is very subtle in this until the very final act i mean to the final beat of the final act yeah but there's subtle things that are happening throughout the films because the humans are so oblivious that it's really all animal reactions whether it's the sheep in the barn or it's the cat or the dog like staring off into the distance and sensing that something is off it's all very it's it's all very subtle and kind of background noise to the drama that's unfolding sorry i have to shift my camera around i'm getting um, a bad case of sweaty butt so i'm having to shift around (laughs) on this yeah i'm having to shift around on this seat looking for a cool spot so anyway i'm set again your head's in oregon and your ass is in florida Oh no! <laughs> I don't want Florida ass. No, I don't want Florida. Florida man, Florida ass. None of those things. I want none of those things. Oh, thank. Oh, I saw this funny meme where it was like, if you start any quote from the Bible with Florida man, it just makes it like that much better. Or any descriptor of the or something where it was like, Florida man claims God impregnated his wife and things like that. And I don't know why that cracked me up, but like I they're mean... like they're like practically any anything biblical if you just put florida man at the beginning it sounds crazy like florida man tries to murder son says bush told him to do it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i love that it's so freaking funny (laughs) what's going on in florida it's wild down there i will say it is very i mean i only went to the southern part of it where i think it's a little less crazy but you can feel there's something in the air i think it's the humidity man yeah yeah I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I have never yeah. experienced humidity like that. It blew my. It was like ninety degrees and still hella humid at night, like full oh. dark night. It was crazy. Oh, where you just walk out of a building and feel like you're just immediately like in a sponge. Oh yeah, I was like, I I was just telling myself I was in a sauna. I was like, this is this is. I'm just in a sauna. I'm in a relaxing sauna that I have chosen to be in because it's relaxing. But that's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. mind games you have to play. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so Maria and Ingvar just uh, going about sheep farm business when uh, they hear the dog bark, so they go in to investigate, and there is a sheep giving birth, so they assist, but then there is something strange about this baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not yet revealed 
what, but Maria kind of instantly just picks it up and brings it into the house. And it's like, honestly, cute little lamb face. Cute yeah. little sleepy lamb face. Dude. Super freaking cute. Dude. She like sets it up, <laughs> bottle feeds it, but it kind of has a strange breathing sound. Like mm-hmm. it's a little bit, that breathing is not quite yeah. lamb-like. Uh-huh. And then the next day, Ingvar brings a crib in from the barn and crib bedding and things. So I think that pretty much was the point where you're like, oh, they definitely lost a child. It wasn't that they wanted one and could never have one. They lost a child. Maria is 100% treating this lamb thing like a baby. Like, again, we have not at this point revealed what is different about this lamb that makes it not a lamb. It makes it a house lamb. But she's, you know, she's rocking it. She's humming to it. She's watching it sleep and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we get more shots of Maria taking care of the baby. Ingvar goes out and cries on a tractor, which at the time I didn't really understand why, but I kind of get it now. I think it's the, oh, my God, we're getting a second chance at this kind of yes. cry. Mm-hmm. Which, like, and this happens later, but one of the things that I really liked about this movie is I 100% was expecting it to be, like, Maria wants the lamb baby. Ingvar thinks it's a right. crazy abomination. Right. Uh-huh. But it's not. 100%. He loves that mm-hmm. child. Ba- There's no tension babe. in their relationship. None. No, they like, are on board with this. They're they like, are yes, a team. that is our new baby. I love this baby. You know, like, and not at any point does he need to be convinced. And I really thought that was the direction it was going to go because that's what I expect based I mean, on. It's fascinating that they don't have a conversation about it at all. Like, at there all. There is an exchange of looks when the lamb first gives birth, right? There. She looks at him like, I'm taking this baby. There's a, there's an exchange that happens just with expressions. And that I think can in the context of that moment feels like a being about her taking this child and the fact that, you know, it's a lamb child. Like, that's what you think is the conversation that's happening between them. I think ultimately when we get to the very end of the movie, there's a different conversation happening in that moment than we think. Yeah which I yeah. think is really interesting when you go think back about the context of that. Like yeah. the, when the myth, when you understand the mythology, that conversation changes. Yeah. But that's the closest that they come to even having a discussion about it. Like he's immediately on board in an incredibly non-judgmental way. Oh yeah. And especially like, I mean, we'll get to it, but when they introduce Otto to Peter, mm-hmm. like Ooh. there's no preface. There's no, they're just like, no. this is our child. Did you expect them to like try to hide her? Yeah, kind of, because I mean, yeah. or at least like prep him. To no, be like we know this is going to be strange, but just. But when you when he's just in. like no. we're in the kitchen, honey, I was like, yeah. oh, we're going a totally different non formulaic way with this, which yeah. I appreciated, and I was like, oh, this this is interesting. We're breaking sort of all the expectations here. Yeah, which I know we'll get to that later, but like, yeah, no, that was one of one of my. Favorites. And they don't ever feel like a need to like justify the choice to keep like there's. There is no conversation that happens around the fact that they brought the lamb baby in, like, at all. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah, that it's but like, interesting. I liked it, but yeah. Oh, yeah. me too. Me too. I'm not, this is not a complaint. It's more of a, I love having my expectations, den- like, defied, and that the writer slash director just was like, yeah, we're not even going to address this. Like, that's yeah. actually not what's important here. That's that's a boring story that could be told, a, has been told a million different ways. Yeah. This is actually about this time. other dynamic that's happening. And that's where the, the energy goes. And I think that's yeah. really, I don't know, fresh, fresh to me. Yeah. 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 I really liked it. I am going to open a second. Just sorry for the critique, but No, kachink away. Again, at this point, we still haven't fully seen the baby. We kind of get a brief baby arm like silhouette but Mm -hmm. no full baby reveal yet 
at one point, like, I don't know, the next day, let's say, uh, Ingvar's fixing a tractor and hanging out with dog. Maria's hanging laundry when she hears a sheep bleeding. She goes yeah. around the side of the house to find Ada's mother standing at, Ada's sheep mother standing mm-hmm. at the window and talking to her baby through the window. But she shoes away and uh, hopes for the best, but... Yeah. I mean, it's very unsheep-like behavior, too. Like, sheep yeah. are so timid. For this one to be so confrontational, it's sort of breaking the 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 standard animal behavior, right? Like, it's an outlier in this behavior of, of sheep, which I think yeah. is, is one of your hints that there's something else happening here. Plus, sheep are not, like, I mean, maybe I don't know that much about sheep. I don't know that much about sheep. But they don't have, like, crazy good eyesight. So the fact that the camera looks into the window and we can't see Otta in that shot, but the sheep somehow knows she's in there and is talking to her through the window, it's like, you know. I mean, and sheep, I don't know. It was very uncharacteristic sheep behavior in many ways, Mm -hmm. I think, which is what's made it so unnerving and just the right kind of creepy because it wasn't, like, this sheep trying to violently smash its way through the window. It was just calling to its baby, which it somehow knew was in there. And so it mm-hmm. strayed away from the herd, which is not sheep behavior because sheep are prey animals. So yeah. Yeah. going solo is not a smart move. But it still left the herd to go find its baby, which is... At the time, I thought it was just going to be like... Honestly, my prediction at this point was there was some sort of mythical nature creature who communicates with animals and it was i just thought like it was a random sheep and i thought throughout the movie it was going to be all the sheep working together to try to get the no. lamb baby but no it's just it's just her mother i mean it's like actually... this weird like uh conflict between the two mothers right the the yeah. biological mother and the adoptive mother that has like kind of kidnapped this this you but yeah is interesting that that yeah. kind of because motherhood is such a heavy theme in this and like loss of grief a loss of a child is such a heavy theme in this so to see this dynamic between the two of them and the way that she responds to this dynamic is not uh with a lot of empathy yeah it is not because she (laughs) shoes it away and Uh then later uh more things yeah uh so then we get a a scene of this was this was the the first moment where i was like oh so we are just not gonna go stereotypes like we see in every other movie because it's the little family watching TV together. It's Ingvar who's holding a sleeping Otta. And, you know, it's Maria sitting next to them kind of watching. And they're talking about the movie and things like that. Which, also, I thought it was a little nod when she was like, what did he just say? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I missed it. What is this? And she's like, I don't know, a fairy tale, I think. Or a folk tale or something. Mm-hmm. 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 But it was cute to see Ingvar playing the role of, of, of Papa. Holding yeah. his little lamb baby yeah but we still have not seen all of yet no. uh but it was that it was like that was one of the first moments besides i mean getting the crib i was kind of like okay i get it but like any other standard movie i feel like the the father would have begrudgingly gotten the crib to be like yeah. he'll grow out of it or like well i don't know about this but he just on board right holding his baby watching a movie like a little family yeah you know, yeah on board so later maria is going out to do some field work and she leaves otto with ingvar and the this is also the first time that I'm like, oh, that cat knows something's wrong. Oh, yeah. This was the first time where it just cut to the cat just kind of watching, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that and again, like so emotive, these animals, mm-hmm. that it looks like the cat is looking at this baby and being like, that ain't right. This is not going to end well for anyone. Right. But right. Well, because they're breaking with the natural order. I mean, that's that's kind of, this is sort of like the cautionary tale about that, right? And so the cat is picking up on like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not good. 
this is not right. This is, but being the cat, it also gives that like, I'll just see how this plays out. Yeah, of course, I, I won't be stepping in, but yeah, no, I, no, no, I'm I not will be sitting in judgment, but I'm not gonna. Do I'm not gonna do. What am I a dog? No. Yeah. What am I? What am I a dog? No, 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 no. I'll be on this windowsill in this sunny spot. <laughs> Man, cats got it figured out. They got it figured out. Yeah, and then uh, the sheep keeps coming back to the window. Mm-hmm. Which I felt kind of really just... bad for the sheep. Did you? I did. Well, like, and again, it wasn't until later that I realized that was Otta's mother. Uh-huh. But I so I thought it was just random sheep being attracted to this, like, mythical sheep child. Oh, because okay. it was some sort of folk, like, fairy, changeling, hybrid kind of thing. Yeah. So I thought it was yeah. just sheep, like, general sheep being attracted no, to it. Mom. And then when I realized it was her mom trying to get her back and then it was just real heartbreaking after that yeah just like the steadfast like breaking out of the pen just will not leave bleeding like oh it was it was getting to me for sure yeah oh so while maria's out in the field ingvar goes out to work on something in the barn because otta's asleep on the couch and when they both get back into the house otta's missing and then it becomes like frantic search they're out in the fields you know ingvar's checking the river um, when they finally meet up again, they hear a lamb, or they, you know, they hear a sheep bleeding, and they find Ada in the field with her mother. And this mm-hmm. is when we get the first reveal of, oh yeah, no, that is a human sheep hybrid. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's with one a, little that's hoof a, and one little hand. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is a human baby's butt and a baby lamb's hoof. And uh, this is that that scene that you talked you mentioned earlier, where they're headed back, and the sheep, like not just like, oh, I'm gonna follow you, but like. Is picking up the pace mm-hmm. following them. And uh, Maria turns around and screams at it to go away. Yes. Which is so safe. Yeah. And then, you know, it does reveal in their house that they have a somewhat dismantled children's room. Yeah. Solidifies the, oh, yeah, they lost a baby. Yep. It wasn't, couldn't have one. They lost a child. Mm-hmm. Chapter two. Anna <laughs> is a toddler-ish. I wrote toddler parentheses question mark now because without a baby's head, I can't really judge by the body too so well. So I but I'm guessing believe this whole thing is about six months. But She's definitely so, bigger. Yeah, but and, I think she's growing at a different rate. But I think this is about six months total. Yeah, okay, that would make sense. But yeah, Otta's older now, bigger, walking, things like that. Looking adorable in little jumpers. <laughs> oh my god, that little uh, lamb head coming out of those... Uh, when they're just like walking hand in hand, I'm like... Oh my god. Can so I cute. make my cats do this? <laughs> oh my god, and when she uses that little lamb hoof to like hold up the yeah. plates and stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> so stinking cute. Yeah, see, this is how I would get into trouble, because I would probably also want to make it a little like... I'd be like, come on in! <laughs> yeah 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 also now i'm just picturing my cats wearing little sweaters right cute adorable and like walking yes. around a little holding my hand oh no <laughs> i want it too bad i know it's not good it's this we are we are becoming we are really embracing the crone stereotype right now we are just yeah, leaning we... in <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> uh... Oh, but this is where we meet our third human character, Peter, who is later revealed to be Ingvar's brother. But in this scene, he's basically just abandoned in the middle of nowhere and no phone. It's people, shady people. Mm-hmm. Gotta just ditch him. So he recovers and just kind of starts hoofing it. 
Maria has a sheep-related nightmare, which was actually pretty spooky because of the way they did the eyes, the glowing uh-huh. eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super yeah. spooky. Yeah. Very, very spooky. Mm-hmm. I mean, very simple trick, right? But there is something yeah. deeply uncanny about all of those glowing sheep eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, very effective. Uh, inspired by this nightmare, she gets up and gets a gun and goes outside and murders Ada's mom. So... that's sad and then buries it in the field which is like so i found that to be a very guilt-driven thing to do because they're a sheep farm right yeah when animals die yeah yeah you use everything like i know this is super nerdy but i follow a a youtube channel of this lady who's a sheep farmer in canada and she actually talks about like when they have like stillborns how they even use the stillborns as fertilizer they just process it differently and they reuse even wow Things that they can't eat, but they're still using it because they grow other stuff, too. But, like, sheep is her big thing, and then her husband is a crop farmer. But, like, yeah, so it's, like, to see a farmer, especially in such a remote area, waste an entire sheep like that. was, like, oh, she was feeling some things. This was an emotionally (laughs) driven murder. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think there was – she was feeling very threatened and guilted by the constant – presence of that like um rival mother yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then wanted no evidence because oh, it, no. it you know because you know she couldn't then bring it to her husband and be like i shot this now we got to do something well, with she it because... killed ada's mom <laughs> yeah yeah yes so um at this point and when i was taking my notes i didn't realize who this person was going to become so so far in my notes he's just the abandoned man <laughs> but Pieter <laughs> makes it to the farm and he crashes in the barn overnight and when he i liked this shot where he's kind of waking up and then we get a shot of what's across from him down the hallway and it's just Ada standing there and her jacket and her rubber boots and then when he fully wakes up she's gone but like that silhouette end of the hallway kind of shot is super spooky even though like Ada's not spooky right she's not evil or anything but something about that end of the hallway silhouette shot always gets me Mm -hmm. always super creepy well i mean she's very uncanny right like that's Mm -hmm. gonna get you on a visceral level anytime you're in that uncanny valley like she's both incredibly adorable but like totally unnatural yeah Mm -hmm. and it's unnerving especially Mm -hmm. like when it's just that kind of semi-dark silhouette where you're not really seeing a lot of detail and then she's gone which, for being a toddler, she sure is unsupervised a lot. But whatever, I'm not a parent. I, should, I can't judge. Maybe they're fine at that age running around by themselves on a field right? in a farm. But I don't know. Who am I to judge, truly? So it turns out that Pieter is Ingvar's brother. And he wakes up and steps out of the bar. And Ingvar's very like, oh, when'd you get here? You know, like, it's not an alarm or anything like that. And uh, he invites him in. And this is the scene that we we're talking about where... You know, he's just sort of like, oh, now I'm here. And he's looking at the number of chairs at the table. And he's just like, oh, do you have guests? And this is where Maria and Ingvar introduce Otto, but not yeah. again. Not in that like, okay, this is going to be weird. Don't right. freak out. Right. Just hang in there. We're, we can explain, you know, whatever. They're just sort of like, oh, Otto, come to breakfast, you know. like, And it wasn't yep. even like, even if it had been a regular human child, it wasn't even like, it. we tried again, we had a baby. You know, like somehow in the time that you were gone, we now have a child that we failed to mention in any sort of prior correspondence. It like because even if it had been a fully human child, it seems like would have required some sort of explanation or discussion before the child walks in. But now they're just sort of like, oh, yeah, this is Ada. And he 
like later has some thoughts and feelings, but in the moment really kind of accepts easily. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. He's certainly taking it in. (laughs) Yeah. Not super concerned at the moment, but yeah. And maybe it's shock. Maybe it's just him being like, okay. Yeah. Not sure what I'm seeing here. But, uh, right. I'll, I'll assess this for later. So later on, Peter is helping Ingvar with some around the house chores, but then he dips, even though his job is to hold the ladder. And then he just <laughs> walks away while Ingvar's, Ingvar's still on the ladder, which is like, I mean, first of all, I understand that, like, I have a lot of ladder sensitivity. It is, like, yes. one of my greatest fears. Uh-huh. So maybe I'm taking it a little too hard, but like that's the whole job. All you have to do is stand there and hold the ladder, so the person on the ladder doesn't slip and fall. Like the ladder doesn't slip and they fall, right. you know? Right. And he just totally abandons his post, just takes off. Like, dude, you know he asked you to be there for a reason. It wasn't for your health or like you should get outside. Like you are there to save him from a broken neck. But good job. Glad to know where your priorities lie, which happen to be staring at Maria while she's in the bathtub with her daughter. <sighs> but... I know. So. Yeah. Uh, do you get the sense that they had a previous relationship? Very much so. Okay. That was my takeaway as well. Like they never explicitly say it, but he's so aggressive in the way that he pursues her. I feel like he, they must have some history, right? Well, and the fact that when she like sh- shoots him down, it's not in a, what are you thinking? Like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? It's a very mm-hmm. like, come on, seriously, like. Like, don't come on. You know better. Like, yeah. you know, this isn't going like, come on. It was a very right. like, like, uh, exhausted dismissal. So, you know, and I feel like that means there had to have been some prior, like, yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure something, something. you were getting that as well. It wasn't just me. Yeah. So then Ingvar and Peter have a conversation where Ingvar tells him that he can stay for as long as he wants, but he just can't interfere in his and Maria's life because, like, uh, Peter's starting to finally voice his concerns about, you know, the creature or the animal, you know, and like mm-hmm. he's starting to finally start to be like, you know, that's that's this ain't right, right? You know, this that, you know, and again, Ingvar on board. No part of him is like, yeah, I guess maybe it's a monster. It's a hundred percent. He's just like, no, this is mine and Maria's happiness. We got a second try. This is our child. Now you do not get to interfere with this. You can stay as long as you don't, like interfere with our happiness mm-hmm. so i mean and again i'm glad we didn't waste time with ingvar having to come around to the idea of having a lamb child and i'm glad we didn't have to have a an over dramatic which would have been really out of place given the tone overall of this movie mm-hmm. like some sort of over dramatic peter being like what is going on you know that thing is a freak like you know yeah he he does that but in much more subtle like uh, more controlled ways, which I think is even creepier. It's also actually. he remains united, like in his front, their front right here. Like he's not saying, like he's not doing it just to, you know, appease his wife. As a couple, this is what they're doing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like there's not like, a, no. there's not a like now that he's aside with his brother, like you know, I'm just you know she really needs this and blah blah. blah. No, yeah. he's just like this is what we're doing and get on board or gtfo yeah exactly and i like that because that's unexpected given how most of these movies would normally go like i was not expecting that attitude and Mm -mm. i i really like that we kind of circumvented the norm on a lot of things but that was one of them i thought it was really cool 
I think so often these movies are about the tension that's between the two partners, right? And I think that this movie takes great pains, like even when things are complicated, like her mourning the child or whatever this dynamic is with the brother, the movie also makes great pains to say like, this is actually a like, very loving and united family still. And yeah, and, like, a lot of times, especially with loss of child, like there is the theme that it's explored is the way that it it like dissolves relationships and that's not really the tension that's here and i think that also makes this a unique film and like skirts the formula that we're typically seeing yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i also like another way that like i see commonly these kinds of movies going is the new child driving a rift between the parents right and not even right. like the, the father being like not on board with the monster baby but just like seeing his wife love something more than him kind of thing yeah and in this yeah. case they both are parents to this lamb baby yeah so he's equally in it with her he's equally invested he loves the baby as much as maria does and mm-hmm. so this is their little this is their little family unit now and he loves his family and i liked that that was what we did instead yeah. of the normal things that we see that are like okay yeah. That would have been tired, but this is new, and I yeah. liked it a mm-hmm. lot. Agree, agree. So while all three of the adults and Otta and the dog are out in the field, Otta's playing around with the dog, and the grown-ups are planting potatoes, and then Maria breaks out coffee and some food and things, and this is kind of the first time, because when he peeks at Maria when she's in the tub, you get, oh, okay, he's in tired. But this is the first time where we start getting notes of like, oh, they they had a thing once because he kind of like touches her face. And again, instead of being like that shocked, like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? It's like, come on, seriously, like, don't be a child Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of where you start getting those implications that something happened between them. Yes. Also, like the most realistic moment ever. He like grabs her cheekbone. I was like, yes, that is what I would want to do as well. (laughs) I don't want to get my hands on that thing. (laughs) Uh, And then he also starts, because he's already spoken with Ingvar about his judgments of Otta. And now he kind of shows his judgments to Maria. Again, he keeps calling it, you know, the creature, the animal, things like that. So the next day, Ingvar recruits Peter to help them clear out some stuff in the barn, which Peter really leans into that, like, the, the brother dynamic of Ingvar, you could always tell, was like straight-laced, by the books, mm-hmm. works hard, whereas Pieter was the rock star wannabe who wears leather jackets and owes people money and smokes <laughs> cigarettes and stuff like that. So I kind of like that the first thing they do, like our first shot of it is Ingvar and Maria carrying out a chair, which Peter then immediately sits down in, even though he's done zero work so far. So he's, he's not a tired guy, but he just, you know. Yeah. And then he uncovers an old drum set in the barn and he kind of starts playing it while, uh, you know, Otto's standing there. And I was kind of like, Oh, okay. So maybe, maybe he's coming around. Not yet. That's not, not yet. But, yet. <laughs> uh, Cause then we get such, and it's like, when you describe it, it's hard to pinpoint why it's so creepy, but he sits down in the chair and grabs a handful of grass and starts trying to coax Otto over. Mm-hmm. And when she reaches for it with her baby hand, he's like, Nope, Nope, Nope. And he keeps calling her sheepy. And then she starts to eat it out of his hand like a sheep. And something about it was so gross. Degrading. He's treating her like an animal. He's denying the humanity in her and degrading her. He's trying to kind of make a point, I think. But the thing is, is this is a toddler. And if you give a cookie to a toddler, uh, whatever level you try to give a cookie to a toddler, they're going to eat it. You know what I mean? And if you did that to, imagine doing that to a normal toddler where you're like, here sheepy sheepy like making it get on all fours to feed it that's incredibly disgusting and degrading and it was so oh like skin crawly yeah. to watch oh, happen yeah. 
And it rightfully, like, again, Ingvar is continuing, like, it's just more of that, like, he's on board. This is yeah. his child. Yep. He gets pissed. Yeah, of course. And rightfully so, because he's watching his brother, like, be so, like, horrible to his child. Yeah. And uh, so later, like, early the next morning or whatever, Dieter takes Otta from her crib, and he leads her out into the field with a gun, and he's fully intending to kill her. Sorry, Chesco's. Because he's still on the, like, this is a creature, this is an animal, this is not a child. And somehow, I don't know, in his mind, he's it's got to, I must kill it. I don't I don't know. Uh, but later, Maria wakes up to find Otta missing. And when she goes to find her, she finds Otta asleep in sleeping Pietro's arms in an armchair. So I don't know what, like, I don't know if it was like some sort of mystical folk creature power. Because there's that, you know, he's aiming the gun, but then he's also looking into Otta's eyes. And that's where I kind of thought, oh, maybe Otta has some sort of, like, love me, care for me, like, power. Mm-hmm. So that anybody who comes in contact with her is like, I have to protect this child kind of sense. Because he turns that switch real fast. Yeah. And immediately loves her after that moment. And, like, wants to be Uncle Peter, mm-hmm. you know. And after that, he's on board. No more creature, no more sheepy, no more eat this grass out of my hand. Which is nice, because that was real uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. And I also was glad... That our protagonist was not going to become Peter. Like, I was a little afraid that the movie was going to be Peter trying to convince them that this is a monster and it being a conflict between the adults. But after this scene, Peter's on board. He's Uncle Peter. He wants to take Otta fishing. And now it's just a little family unit yeah. raising a lamb child. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I did actually appreciate that that turn, right? I do too. I mean, when he takes it, the child out there and he holds the gun, I mean, I was like, I know he's not going to do it because we're too early in the movie. But it was still horrifying to see. And I think it's the way that you're feeling watching it, you can see the character also sort of having that that reaction, visual reaction to it. So there's like something very relieving in that next sort of, the next beat is the sheep is asleep in his lap or it is asleep in his lap and you're just like phew and then everybody like you said it's now just a united family unit where this child has become like the center of their little like strange little family threesome or foursome yeah Mm -hmm. meanwhile i also liked uh i don't think that's happened yet but the cat has been so suspicious this whole time and then there's a shot where, like, they're sitting, Otto's at the breakfast table with her dad, and the cat's just sitting in her lap like, well, this is what we're doing. Then I guess I'll get some pets. But, <laughs> yeah. But at this point, like, the cat is pretty much the only one who's kind of still like, you know, this isn't right, right? Like, I'll go, I'll go along, but you know, this is still weird, right? Right. And then later the cat was kind of like, oh, I knew it. But anyway, getting ahead of myself. Chapter three. And then here in my notes, I have parentheses. Here I got distracted by Helvie's curly sleeping toes and she just grabbed her face. Oh my oh. God. In parentheses. <laughs> she was sleeping oh. and you've seen the pictures of her cat couch, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. So, she's so cute in her cat couch. So I found that at uh, like a one of those discount, like a Kohl's or something. Took some convincing by the lover because I was like, I don't know, I don't know. She's a cat, you know, like she's you spend money on shit that she either doesn't have any interest in ever 
or has interested in for a week and then is done with of it course, forever. Of course. You're so lucky like, oh. if they, I mean, at all is always yeah. a miracle. Usually they yeah. just want the box that it came in. Yeah. Or like the sheet of cardboard that came to, yeah. Uh, but she loves that thing. Still sleeps on it every night. Still curls up on it during the day. And so I get full view from my side of the bed of the sleepy curly toes and grabbing her own face and the, like the rollover and the routine. And sometimes she sits up with one arm on the armrest, like that casual lean, you know, and just watches TV with us. And it's so stinking cute and I can't get over it. And it's been months and she's still into this couch and I'm so happy about it. But anyway, sorry, I got distracted twice now by that and she's not even physically out here. So chapter three starts with Maria visiting a cemetery with Otta, although Otta's kind of a distance away and Maria's visiting a grave, which at one point we are given, we're shown the nameplate and it's a grave for an Otta. So the thing that kind of got me there was I, you don't often see that in Loss of a Child, Getting a New Child movies, where they name the child the name of the child they lost, you know? Yeah. Like, Usually there's some conflict there of, no, that was our child. That memory is respected. This is our new child. Right. But the fact that they chose to name her the same exact name, I think was just sort of like giving into like, this is how broken they were by this. And this is how desperately they wanted to fix right. something that they felt had been broken. And so like they didn't even give Ada an original name. They gave Ada their previous child's name. Yeah, it's not, it's not, there's no subtextual that the child is replacement like it is very textual that she is quite literally the replacement to the point where they're using her name (laughs) yeah yeah so oh we kind of get a weird moment where like ingvar's reading a a bedtime story to Ada, and then it's intercut with a scene of him like running through a marsh looking for her and he's like desperate because he like trips and falls and the dog is there and everything and i wasn't sure if that was like a subconscious thought because it's not something that happens later i thought like oh maybe we're just so we're in the third chapter. Maybe we're cutting to the way this movie concludes, but we didn't. That's not how mm-hmm. it ended. So I'm not sure where that came from. I don't know if it was like. Are you talking about the them walking in that the water, the watery? Thing? Yeah, the weird like short watery like. So I think that like I'm getting ahead, but I think that's isn't that them on the other side? Oh. That would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I also very much like that. Yo, yeah. I thought. Cool looking. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And especially since it's not a, a, like an environment that they live in. Like they don't live in a place with that standing water field kind of thing. So it was, it was kind of really cool to see something that still like visually was a little bit still like in theme, but not. You, like that's the thing is I was like they don't live anywhere near something like that mm-hmm. like they have fields they have snow they have a river they don't have this weird s- small marsh this weird shallow marsh situation but anyway mm-hmm. I like that I like yeah. that interpretation a lot I mean they really I will say like they took full advantage of the setting here Iceland is such an incredible place I've said this before that like when I went to other places I always felt like I was in a new country. like go to Scotland I'm like I'm in a different country like this is not America this is different when I went to Iceland I was like I am on another freaking planet this place is so strange yeah. like when he's driving that shot of him driving down that highway and it's just like black gravel that's just like that volcanic rock like that's what it looks like there the trip from the the airport to the city is just empty fields of black volcanic rock and like the only color is the spots of the lichen on the black rock it's just like an 
otherworldly place. And I think that adds so much to this movie and giving it this sense of, you know, feeling otherworldly, feeling like a fairy tale world, feeling like a place where folk horror could occur and not just be that, that it's happening, not be the central focus of the story because you're already in this place that is otherworldly and unlike everywhere else. Yeah, and you know, throughout this movie, I was wondering the whole time if it was going to turn out that like some sort of folklore was going to exist around this like human animal hybrid child thing, and that that's why Ingvar and Maria were so up, you know, welcoming of it, and no questions, no freaking out when this lamb or when this sheep birthed the human lamb hybrid, and that's the environment where I would not be surprised if people were like, oh yeah, for sure, this is a changeling, yeah, take it inside. You know, because it's such, like, otherworldly, like, um, supernaturally kind of mystical feeling area that I was, like, and I know that we don't really, you know, ever touch on whether or not this relates to some sort of folklore that they know of. But, like, had they, I would have been like, oh, yeah, no, that tracks. That tracks that these people are 100% like, yep, that's a fairy, baby. Let's bring it in. Like, (laughs) you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. So... Uh, the next day, Pieter t- uncle, uncle Pieter takes Otta out fishing so that her parents can have some time alone, which they take advantage of. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very cute because it was a very like typical st- family dynamic where it's like Uncle Peter's gonna babysit so that mom and dad can have a date night. You know? and, <laughs> yeah, and it was it was very cute him taking her fishing and asking her like you know just being an Uncle Peter to this this little kid. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and then later, I also really liked this part, too, where he gets back and Maria and Ingvar are reconnecting. And this is like this is what I was talking about in the beginning, where in the beginning they seem so disconnected and there's a wall. And it's not that uh, there's a lack of love. Mm-hmm. It's just somehow they are unable to reach each other anymore. And now they yep. have Ada. Yep. And all of a sudden they're playing cards. Yep. They're having a, a drink. Yep. They're hanging out. They're yep. laughing. They're yep. like dancing. You know, and yeah. 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 They all sit down to watch some sort of sports ball game, which I don't know if you saw the screen. It looked nuts. It looked like a, a Nickelodeon gas game, but I don't know what sport that was, but whatever. And they're all into it. They're having drinks. They're hanging out. Um, as a joke, Maria puts on Pieter's old music video from when he was like, which is amazing, which is so amazing. Fu- so funny when he starts like going along with the dance routine and like singing yeah. the song with himself <laughs> on the screen and he's doing like all the like the head turns and stuff. oh my god cracked me up actually really funny yeah and i liked that we get this scene because they're so everyone's so stoic throughout this movie and so like very little emotion very little like you know a lot of very slow reactions to things and so this was fun. It was like mm-hmm. a really fun break from that to see them actually like letting loose and dancing and having fun. And Ingvar has a little too much to drink. And, you know, so I actually really liked this scene. And even Ada, who like has a sheep's face, but still you could tell her, you could see her being like, oh, I don't know. Like, I've never seen my parents be like this before. This is, you know, but she gets into it and she dances with her mom and her uncle Peter and things. Um, eventually Ingvar, Ingvar has to be put to bed and it was so cute when he has Otta lay down with him and they cuddle and Otta just like yeah. puts her head on his chest and it was such a cute like father-daughter kind of moment Yeah, but it does leave yeah. Pieter unsupervised and he makes some advances on Maria and she just keeps 
shooting him down and being like, no, come on, seriously, really? And then he asks her if she thinks Otta knows that she killed her mother. And this was the part where I realized the sheep that kept coming back to the window was the same sheep oh. and that it was her mother. Because again, up until this point, I thought it was just general sheep suspicion, right? I didn't gotcha. think it was like, it was so mom. this is where I was like, her mom, but Maria, her, <gasps> oh, well, that paints things in a different light. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And I think that it's like, you know, in, in Maria's desperation of they can't know, she kisses Pieter, who thinks he's finally getting lucky, but it's really just to catch him off balance so she can shove him into the pantry and lock him inside. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of boss for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she goes to play the piano to drown out the sounds of his calling out from within the pantry until he drunk passes out. So, oh, it was uh, during this dance sequence that Otta goes outside briefly with the mm-hmm. dog, and then the dog runs off, and the dog yelps, and that's it for the dog. Yeah. Uh, which we then see in a, in a shot of the dog's body out in the field. And this was kind of sad, because the yeah. cat was out there just kind of watching over the body. And- yeah. It was just gonna. It's like again, the animals are so emotive in this that it really felt like the cat was like mourning the loss of his dog friend and being like, "God damn it! I knew this wasn't gonna go well." No one listens to the cat, right? I know. Mm. Uh, But then Maria wakes Peter up and tells him that they're leaving. She'll be waiting in the car, and then she drops him at a bus stop. And I kind of liked the way they said goodbye, yeah. where there was no hostility. No. She hugs him, you know, she gives him money, you know, and it's it's just, and he's very accepting of like, y- you're right, you're right, I fucked up. Like, you're right, I, I, yeah. crossed, I crossed the line, I should go. And, and I like that she wasn't necessarily mad at him, she was just kind of like, yeah, it, it wasn't cool, it's time for you to head out somewhere else. Yeah. And, uh. The lack of dramatics in this movie is actually kind of incredible. I like it. Everything, I mean, there's wild things happening, but there's no over-the-top responses to it. Like, people, there is a a calmness, a stillness, and a peacefulness to this movie that is unexpected, considering all of the, the strangeness of it. But even in these interactions, she never gets melodramatic. Like, she kind of just like handles the situation and then the next day it's like, okay, time for you to go. Yeah. And then yeah. out they go. And everybody kind of just goes like, yeah, yeah. Like even he knows he's crossed a line and he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm going to go. Yeah. Like I feel like in a lot of movies, stereotypically, he would like freak out and be like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't do you. Well, you're the one who and like is going to try yeah. to pass blame for his inappropriate behavior. But 100% he was like, no, nah, yeah, you're uh yeah, you're right. I should probably take off. Like, he crosses you know? a line. He does things that are not okay. But he does yeah. them in the way that most people who make mistakes do them. You know what I mean? Where he's not, yeah. like, fully mustache twirling about it. It's kind of like, yeah, you're right. It's time for me to go. Which is, like, I think the much more realistic response to, like, crossing a boundary like that. Because we've all, asked, not that specific boundary, but we've all crossed a boundary. And there's, like, a, a degree of, like, regret and shame. And, like, I think her generosity of just being like we're family like let's, it's just time for you to go yeah like, like at the end of the day you're my brother-in-law but it is time for you to yeah. go be somewhere else for a while yeah and, and I, I i really liked that i don't know i, I do too it the way that this movie just skirts 
any melodrama. It's just really interesting to me because it could be when you hear conceptually what this is that, you know, you're expecting, I think, something very different than what you get here, which is this very understated, subtle, kind of simmering, thoughtful drama with an element of horror to it. It's not in yeah. any way it like when you just like the elevator pitch of it, like I think I was expecting something a little more, what's the word I'm looking for? My brain is so tired. I'm having trouble finding the words today. Um, but like something I think a little more. The, the thing, not to interrupt you, no, but the please thing that do, comes to my mind, <laughs> the thing that comes to my mind is my manager is from North Dakota. And one of the things that she talks about a lot is the difference between people, the way people handle things when they're, she calls, you know, country folk versus city folk. Mm -hmm. She's from a very, like, out in the country, fields forever kind of area. I mean, it's North Dakota, so it's, except for the major cities, it's pretty much all of it. And so she was saying the thing about country people is they don't have time for drama. So when things happen and when there's a situation that needs to be handled, they just have this kind of discussion where they're like, hey, not cool. Yeah, you're right. You should maybe go somewhere else. Yeah, probably. And she said that they just, because their lives are so wrapped up in like farming and they can't take a day off that they don't have the time or the energy to be overdramatic about stuff. Yeah. And so that's kind of what came to mind mm -hmm. here is that as farmers and being from like such an isolated farm where they're like, you know what? I really don't have time to have a big fight about this. It just wasn't cool. You need to go and be somewhere else. And he kind of was like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. You know? And so that's kind of what came to mind for me is that it was like, yeah, these, these are farmers. They're like, I don't have the, the time or the energy and I see no importance in being having a huge blow up fight about this. So mm -hmm. let's just handle yeah. the situation and move on. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I'm that's kind of like even even when they find the lamb baby and their biggest discussion about it is just an exchange of glances. You yeah. know, it is very like we're doing this. We're doing this. OK. Handled. Yeah. Decision yeah. made. Mm -hmm. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, so after this, uh, Ingvar and Otta go out to fix the track because the tractor broke on the way back from the fishing trip. And so they go out to go fix the tractor. We get a shot of the dog. I only bring up the shot of the dog's body because that of that lip snarl. And it it really gave that impression of this dog died fighting like something. Right. Whatever did this. This is not like a random person shot a dog or something. This is like yeah. this dog saw something bad and went down fighting because it died with a frozen snarl on its face mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. oh and then i completely forgot i even read a note about it but i missed it it just said is that sheep breathing weird <laughs> oh maybe it's still coming up anyway but yeah that it, well is that sheep breathing weird do you remember that part <laughs> it was just a long shot of a sheep in the field but its chest was opening and closing as it oh breathed. yes yes do you remember no, that yes what was that about was it just the i don't way know that the the i was like is it a situation where just the the fleece is has a part there okay it that was my question weird. too yes it looked I do know weird what it about. looked like something wearing like something wearing a sheep's skin right and yeah. breathing through that but then at the yes. same time i was like i don't know that much about sheep wool so I don't know, maybe if it gets dirty, does it create natural creases like that, that open and close I mean, as I the body moves? But I don't know. My guess is that's what it is. And that the director was like, that looks weird. Let's put it in. But okay. But I had the same, and I think that's the reason, you know, like I had this, I'm like, what is happening with the chest thing? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because like, again, this movie being so light on like 
creepy effects kind of thing. Like, it, it, so I was kind of like, if this was an effect, it was one of the very few, mm-hmm. and it was cool as hell. Yeah, I think you might be right though, where it's just dirty sheep wool sometimes creases like that, and then when it breeds, when the sheep breeds, it opens and closes, and the director saw that and was like, oh, that's creepy. Yeah, but either way, creepy. Oh yeah, super creepy. Oh, super yeah. weird. Yeah, and it kind of gave that impression of like whatever impregnated this sheep in the first place is still here mm-hmm. and it feels like it's watching it's just disguised as a sheep so it can blend in kind of thing and that's how i felt about it and i thought it was creepy i forgot to mention it but <laughs> is that sheep breathing weird that's all my notes <laughs> <laughs> but i had forgotten about it i'm so glad you brought it up because yeah i was because it spins you know this movie is kind of slowly and sort of languidly paced and it spends a little time staring at that sheep's chest and i was like yeah, me too. I was like, is this an effect? Is this on purpose? Is this a practical effect? Did this happen on accident? I don't know, but it's creepy as hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Maria gets home from dropping Pieter at the bus stop to find both Ingvar and Ada gone. And she's kind of just wandering around looking for them, not super worried, until she hears a gunshot in the distance. Yeah. So she starts running out towards the, gu- the gunshot where we get a shot of Ingvar holding his bleeding throat and then he's shot again and holy shit there's a sheep man yeah I have to say this comes out of seemingly out of nowhere but the movie has done such a good job of making you really care about these characters that when it happens it is such a gut punch yes yeah. and it was such like okay so I'll be honest not the best CGI effects I've ever seen in my life but such a creepy gross character design because it's fully like a sheep's head on a man's body but it has that weird thin like hair covering it downy sort of fuzz on it yeah Yeah, but you can fully see like butt cheek definition and things so it's not like fully fleecy Uh but it is so upsetting and then seeing like (laughs) human hands using a gun kind oh it is so unnerving and so as Ingvar lays dying, uh, the sheep beast man leads Otto away. And this is, I think, the first time that you really see, like, any sort of emotion on Otto's face. Like, until then, it's just sort of this blank lamb's face, right? Yeah. And this part, we get a close-up on her eyes, and she is crying. Like, yeah. she is being led away from her father, and it's actually heartbreaking. Kind of teared up a little, and then at the part after this, too. But I might have had a couple of mugs of wine at this point. But anyway... <laughs> It was just really sad to see this little sheep, like, and the beast even stops a moment to let her, like, look back. And we get that, and it hurt, like, her brow is furrowed, and she's just starting to get kind of sad. And 100%, I was like, Maria's going to show up in time and get Otto back. And I was dead-ass wrong. Yeah. So Maria finds Ingmar. This is the second part that kind of made me really sad, is just her absolute grief at not knowing what happened, not knowing if she can solve this, like, trying to reassure him as he dies in her arms and at the same time has no idea where her child has gone. And just like her performance in this part. Oh, I just got goosebumps thinking about it again. Her performance <laughs> in this part was so good. And like, I love Numi Rapace. Yes. So yes, 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 yes. I am not, this is such a sidetrack. Have you seen what happened to Monday? No, I've never even heard of it. Oh, you, happened? it's on net. I think it's on Netflix. It's about this dystopian future where, because of overpopulation, every family is only allowed to have one child. And Willem Dafoe's daughter gives birth to septuplets. Oh, geez. And he's friends with an orderly who agrees to register 
them as a single birth and then let him take all the babies. So the movie is about him raising these septuplets uh, and he names them after the days of the week. And he raises them knowing that like you can't all be out at the same time, but you're identical. So here's the name on your birth certificate. This is the person you get to be when you're outside of the apartment. You only get to leave on the day of the week that you're named after. He like outfits his apartment to have like hidden bookshelf walls and stuff so that six of the kids can hide and one of them can stay out or someone should ever come over. But then the main plot of the movie is them as adults. Willem Dafoe has passed away, so they're all adults. They're all played by Numi Rapace. Oh, wow. And so she plays, and then so, and they have like, collectively they have one job that they all like wear a wig and do the same clothes and show up to on the day of the week that they are allowed to leave but in the apartment they all have like their own styles and their own like attitudes and you know and so it's numi rapace playing seven completely different characters i do it's super good and then uh it's called what happened to monday because monday goes to work and doesn't come back and so they're like did we get found out did something happen to her and they are like hesitant like we can't leave because what if she like had a heart attack in the office and then Tuesday shows up and they're like what the fuck you had a heart attack yesterday because they can't find her so they don't know what happened and so it's the story of them trying to figure out what happened to her and it gets really good but it's uh I really recommend it it's a little bit kind of on the nose in some places but watching Numi Rapace play I mean that's really all you had to say she plays seven characters and I'm in yeah it's super good. I, I think it's on Netflix right now. But I need to uh, watch that. I also need to watch The Trip, which I've heard is really, really good. Where it's, Oh, I haven't seen that yet. It's also on Netflix. And it's like her and her husband are maybe like both assassins and they're going to like end their marriage. But then there's like a home invasion. or I don't know exactly what it's supposed to be like pretty gory and fun. Maybe we'll just do maybe we'll just do a series of Numi Rapace movies. It's just I gonna mean, be a Numi Rapace appreciation podcast now. I would not be mad. <laughs> I know. We'll just go through the whole thing. Yeah. Sorry, I super sidetracked, but it was just because I really love Numi Rapace's yeah. uh, performance in this part. And yeah. it's so heartbreaking because it's watching a mother and a wife and a woman lose everything. Yeah. All at once. Yeah. And a hundred percent like I am so it ends with this shot that I need your help with because yeah. I don't know how to sit with this yeah. where she kind of just stands up and surveys the area. And then that's the end of the movie and it ended. And I actually went, what? No. Right. And like, part of me is really glad that we didn't go into like a taken, got to fight to get my child back action right. hero sequence. Super glad we didn't do that. Was a little worried that it was going to be her chasing the beast down across these highlands and trying to, Fight him to get her child back. I am glad we didn't do that. At the same time, I don't know what the fuck that ending was supposed to be. So my understanding is that there was a part of her that from the moment she took the baby from the mother lamb, she knew that this there was there was no end game for this. That this was some like she was kind of dead inside from the loss of her child and this was sort of her chance to come back to life a second chance but she knew it was kind of almost like a summer fling that was not meant to last forever that even though she maybe did not like consciously knew that the know that the ram man was out there she always knew that this would not last forever and so like she was making peace with the child leaving and it was kind of like a larger thing where she was also making peace with the loss of the original ada oh yeah so and then the other thing is like if you see like this story being about the way that humans sort of exploit nature 
then the taking of the child and then the 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 nature taking the child back and exacting revenge is kind of like an eco horror message Mm, yeah that's not my favorite interpretation but like that's one of the things that i've saw when you know in conversations about it um but i do think ultimately this movie was always really about maria's sort of journey with her grief and so if you see it through that lens i think that's that makes the most sense i like that a lot i think it makes a lot of sense and it also you know it, it there's a point where ingvar is telling pieter like this is our second chance like we got a mm-hmm. chance again and now like yeah. with that ending it's kind of like no this is your second chance to grieve correctly yes and right to actually let go yeah. because you didn't the first time so here's your second chance to yeah you know and it you know of course it's like double grief because now she also has lost her husband but right which is why i like that we have that moment where the dog and him are together on the other side like even though yeah. they're gone they're also not gone i also think and they're together yes and i think it yeah when you think back at like i said when you think about that moment where she decides to take the animal like there's an understanding that's actually happening between them that's not necessarily just about the original ada but also about like we are breaking the natural order like we are taking yeah. this child this missed this folkloric child away from its mother and yeah. like there's going to be a cost for this like i think those are kind of the conversations that they're having in that moment that are you are not necessarily you're aware of because you don't know where it's going but in retrospect you can you can see yeah yeah a lot of this movie a lot of these moments the, and that's i mean it's so well done it's so artfully done that these moments when you're watching them the first time you're, and you're like yeah this makes sense i'm following and then you get to the end and you're like oh yeah oh yeah there was a lot more to all of that and it all fits like it yeah. all makes sense it all has that double meaning that works yeah. perfectly and like yeah. oh i think this movie was so well done yeah i really really liked it yeah I, I i was very okay so like full disclosure before the show i went to watch it today and i always you know me and with my does the dog die and normally there's like yeah. one or two little red yeses and it was just like it looked like somebody had murdered the website I was just like yes no. yes 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 i was like what is going on well, <laughs> I mean, but then like, it was I not as bad as it i it, it yeah, made it seem was, worse than it was that's what i was trying to tell you at the same time i was like oh shit am i insensitive because i was like it's really not that bad like it's not like you see the dog. It's not like you get, like, you know how movies sometimes have that really elongated, yelping, strangling, dying dog yeah. sound effects? Yeah. Which, I'm sorry. Horror, horror thought of the day. I always wonder, how did they get that recording? Uh, it, that's what upsets me whenever I hear that, because I'm like, I think it maybe it's recording? probably like a combination of yips and stuff that they've, like, they've frankenstein melded together, together. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah i hope so i think so because i mean there's whole engineers who specialize in doing that kind of thing you know what also I mean? legally there's no way you yeah. could like yeah really injure an animal to get those sounds so. no i don't think so i think it's, i will it's, settle into yeah. no i feel just pretty a, confident yeah 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 but i did like that the dog died we get one high-pitched yelp and that's it because mm-hmm. I hate when they draw that shit out. It yeah, is so like difficult it. to listen to. Like and like we it. didn't have to see it. And it wasn't like, God, I can't remember a movie we watched now where like the dog is like splayed out in the, then the garage and then like the cat head rolls out. Like, it's not like we get really graphic. Like, yeah. yes, it's, it's sad. And it's sad to see the dog. And the dog was so cute so and emotive with his big old eyes. I and so it is very sad, but I'm just really glad that we didn't linger on that death. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. the cat survived. 
Yes. Uh, even, <laughs> although it was so sad because, again, I know I'm placing a lot of emotions on, like, a maybe out of place. But it seemed like the cat was out in the field just, like, sad for losing his dog friend. And that was very sad. The sheep death, again, kind of off screen. Like, we don't watch it get shot. We see it after the fact. Yeah. You know, so... So I was trying to Yeah, it could have been much worse. I will say I scooted right past the ear thing. I saw it coming and I was like, oop, fast forward. So I didn't see any of that. That one was tough because that one looked real. It is real. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Yep. Nope. And I was like, I understand that this is a common farm practice. But but I will not be witnessing this. Yeah. Holy shit, that was hard to watch. Yeah. Nope. Not for me. Not for me. Not for me. Uh, (laughs) I'm a delicate little snowflake. Not for me. But yeah, I, I, I think it's really interesting. So we're going to be in the extended episode. We're going to talk a little bit about Icelandic folklore and what I kind of learned. And I think that this is something that is representative in this film is that like in Iceland, I think folklore and those sort of beliefs are a little more like just part of the fabric of the culture there in a way that it's not necessarily so much here. Like for instance, they'll plan their building of roads around where they think there may be what they call like the hidden folk, which are elves that you don't want to anger. Like the this kind of kind of folklore is present in the modern culture in the way that it isn't necessarily here. So it makes sense that they would have less of a reaction to something like that. I mean, I think people would people in in Iceland are modern people, and they would be like, "What the hell is up with it, with the sheep hybrid?" Right? right. But what I'm saying is those kinds of beliefs and that kind of world of magic is more present culturally than it is here and I think that's part of what makes the place so magical though you know like literally there's a a sense of wonder and um an expansiveness to the way that people who live in Iceland that like we've lost that sort of magic and joy here and that mystery and and I and I love that and I think that that's that kind of comes through in this film um in a way that makes it feel I don't know like special and unique and but otherworldly and it kind of draws you into that feeling of, yeah. of the magic of that world even though it's a um, pretty to- bleak kind of yeah. story uh total sidetrack have you seen a movie called the euro what is it eurovision song contest no it's uh it's will ferrell and rachel mcadams i suggest it it's fucking it's funny it's one of those like stupid goofy movies but they play um, two like childhood friends from Iceland oh. who are trying to make it on that Eurovision okay. show. <laughs> the and, history of uh, fire saga. And it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty like there's shots where they're just practicing in the garage with these like homemade costumes they made up, but in their minds it's this epic like m- like music video. So like it starts out where it shows them like on a cliff with their keyboards and they're like wearing these crazy like viking costumes and they're singing this epic song and then the dad knocks on the door and tells them they need to shut up and they're actually like in his basement like wearing like homemade like capes and stuff it's so fucking funny but they make it to eurovision and then like you know drama ensues but rachel mcadams her character believes in the fairies Uh i've forgotten what they call so there's like a part where he like is he's angry about something and she tells him that she like went to the fairies about it so it's gonna be fine and he's kind of like you can't believe in fairies and it cuts to her going to their little like they built like a little fairy house in the side of a hill and she's there with like food and she's just like hello fairies 
if you could just help us do well in this contest, we would be so grateful. Thank you. And she like does the little accent and uh-huh. stuff. She kind of sounds like Bjork a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, and then like later something good happens and she's like, the fairies! <laughs> and like it's her, part of her character. She 100% believes in these fairies and like gives them offerings and like asks them for favors and things. But that's what it reminded me of just now. And you're like, oh, they build roads around the you know, areas where yeah. the, the fairies live. And it's like, oh my God. And I, it's like Eurovision popped in my head. It's funny though, if you need a dumb comedy. I do sometimes I would... need a dumb comedy and I'm looking at pictures and it looks hilarious. It's pretty good. I, I, uh, definitely have watched it like i don't know what i'm looking at in this picture but like it looks like will ferrell is in like a wheel of some kind (laughs) yeah so they make it to the eurovision and they start getting like really big on like the effects and the costumes and stuff like that but it's it's good it's a dumb stupid comedy but it's pretty funny i like it a lot i've definitely seen it like a dozen times (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it it is like you know when you are just like i just need something i need to be brain dead yeah but I need to watch something. Yeah. This is this is that movie. This is like Perfect. this falls in like the pop star never stops stopping genre. You know, <laughs> yeah, the like yeah. Ricky Bobby. It looks like, like a what is that? Uh, the what's the one where the ice skating like the something? Oh, Fury. Blades of Glory. Yeah, Blades of Glory. Yeah, yeah. That's what it kind of was making me think of. Yeah, it falls into that category for sure. If you just need it, like I need to shut my brain off and just laugh at something, then this is that's a good one. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. So let's wrap up our review. I think it's pretty clear that we both liked this a lot. I did really like this one. It was like, again, I saw the trailer. I've been wanting to see it since the trailer came out. And this is my first time watching it. I know I admitted to sometimes cheating a little bit. But I actually didn't cheat on this one at all. I wanted to save it for for this. And I really liked it. It was everything I wanted and actually more in a lot of ways. A lot Mm -hmm. of things I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I like a really pleasant surprise. I like this a lot. I, I mean, I think there are some people in the audience that are not going to like this because it is kind of a slowly paced sort of family yeah. drama with, you know, elements of horror. But I think if you if you can just kind of like relax into this and like just let it happen, get into the atmosphere of it. And I don't know, even though there's very little dialogue, I found myself almost like hypnotized by this movie. I know that's the thing is like their performances all across the board, mm-hmm. every, all three of the fully human actors that are in this, very good performances. I feel no one felt inauthentic, no one felt overacty, mm-hmm. no one felt you know. And again, like so little dialogue, so so much of it depends on just facial expressions and movements mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. little detail things and. I think it was really well done. Yep. Uh, like across the board, I think it was really well done. But that was one of the things I really loved with these performances because you get engrossed in these characters and they barely say anything. You know, like yeah. they're just kind of and like the first chapter of the movie is just them doing farm work for the most part. You mm-hmm. know, like it's just them driving cactus and feeding sheep and, you know. Yeah. But the creepy parts are creepy. The creepy parts are effectively creepy. Um, I like a slow burn movie. If you uh, if you made it somehow through this without having seen the movie, it's a little bit. It reminded me of like the witch vibes, you know, like just kind of that very mm-hmm. kind of gloomy, slow, like not overtly creepy until suddenly it's overtly creepy. And yeah. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that ending just kind of comes out of nowhere. It just comes. It's yeah. just like a sucker punch out of nowhere. But not yeah, that I'm complaining. Is, no, and it is like actually like I got, you know, I had emotional responses to it, which doesn't always happen with every movie, but I actually like you know, did feel for Maria when she lost Ada the second time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I did mm-hmm. feel you know, and I love I again did not know what to make of that ending. 
super glad you could give me something because I have no idea. But I love that interpretation of it was her second chance to grieve correctly. And she accepted it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I love that. I actually really love that. Yep, definitely. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, if you were to watch this again, it's time to break out an adult beverage. What would you pair with lamb? Mead. Mead. Yes. Good so, choice. We, uh, like last year on a whim, the lover and I got a, a bottle of mead because it came in this cool, like clay, fired clay bottle. And we tried it, hated it, saved it, put it in the fridge. We were like, this is for when someone else comes over and we can be like, you want to try some mead? My brother and his girlfriend came over and we did the want to try some mead and they liked it. So he and I tried it again, liked it the second time. And then we all got mead drunk. <laughs> what is a mead drunk like? Is it, what's the it's vibe? It's like wine drunk, but with less disorientation. So, you know, like sometimes when you get wine drunk and you get a little like, um, mm-hmm, not sure mm-hmm. I'm following this conversation right now, but I'm super into it. It was like that, but with a little bit more clarity, it felt mm-hmm. like. So it was like the goofy, loosey-goosey fun stuff with the, I can actually still have a conversation right now. <laughs> so it was, uh, it's a, it's just a little sweet. Okay. Like you have to like sweet things because it is like a honey yeah, wine. Yeah, which means I can't have know. it, but I, I will live vicariously through others and their mead, dr- mead, mead buzz. Meadery. Yeah. Also, I like that word. Meadery. Where you make mead. A meadery. <laughs> that is a good word. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, excellent choice. All right. So for those of you home, did you watch this? Do you have thoughts? We'd love to hear from you. You can always message us at Rachel at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. Or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. And of course, slide into DMs at ZG Podcasts on Instagram, Twitter, and now, of course, threads. <laughs> because there can never be enough social media platforms for us to have to keep track of but it's great we love it we love it please definitely come follow us there and all that good stuff (sighs) all right and if you love the show do us a solid and you can support us a few different ways you can do so by leaving us a review on apple Podcasts or spotify or audible or wherever it is that you're catching these pods um go on there rate and review us that would mean the world to us or you can buy some of our sweet sweet merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch and of course we have a patreon that you can subscribe to you get bonus episodes extended episodes you get to hang out on our discord all kinds of good stuff so if you've been thinking about doing it, pull the, go ahead. What is that? Hit the trigger? Pull the trigger? Yeah. Yeah. The, you can that? help me with Kingdom Hearts. Dear God. Oh, are you still stuck? Still. Oh, no. Oh, are... my God. We are, like, losing. It, like, is spirit killing at this yeah, point. Yeah. I hate it when a game's so hard that it, like, stops being fun. Yeah. And it was so fun up until that point, And nah. now we just don't want to play it anymore. I hate that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, do all those things. And if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, because you've already watched Lamb, you can always check out our video on demand and streaming calendar. Uh, it's at zombiegirls.com where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are on the various streaming services as well as a video on demand. So you always know, like, hey, what's coming up? What should I watch tonight? I don't know. Let's end the analysis paralysis. Let's go look at the VOD calendar at Zombie Girls. And then bam, we got you, boo. So that just leaves our plan for the next episode. Now, originally this episode was supposed to be Final Destination 4, but as usual, things happened. One of our lovely uh, co-hosts over at Here's Johnny needed to push. So 
hence we got lamb this week so lucky you but we will be circling back to cover final destination four which i've been told is more gruesome and more upsetting so really looking forward to that really uh, excited the warning i will give you is yes but plot-wise, <laughs> it's um, I you know, it's a it's one of the middle of a franchise. Which you know, my thing is always the middle movies are kind of duds. But five, I very much like. So you need to power through get four, through four okay. to get okay. through to five. To be honest, like you guys all didn't like three, and I thought three was fine. So I should be. Yeah, I think I, I'll be okay. We also have the lens of having seen four and five. Yeah, that's so, true. That's true. But five, five is a rough one. Okay. Four is well. I've got like I, two I, episodes between me and that movie because I've got four, and then I've got well, it'll be you and I again, and I'm gonna pick something fun and probably light. I think I know what it's gonna be, so yeah. I just can't wait to. I know we've alluded to it several times, and I know I'm only re- like making it worse. But like, there's a certain scene in five God that I cannot it. fucking wait for you to get to. Larry it. and I have not actually discussed if we've ever been talking about the same one, but I feel confident that we are. Jesus, one in particular. Oh, great! <laughs> Very excited. <laughs> All right, so everybody, definitely tune in for that. You're gonna want to hear my trauma, so let's get it going. All right, so unless people are sticking around for the extended episode where we're gonna be talking about Icelandic folklore, that is it for us so take us out marzi again everyone is not sticking around thank you so much for coming back and listening to us talk about lamb if you somehow listened to this whole episode and didn't watch it you should go watch it because it's a good movie but again thank you everyone and uh that's all folks good night bye everybody thanks everybody for listening and to mars for always being willing to geek out about horror movies with me Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel Messman-Rucker. And our theme song for the show is Die Historic by Three Chain Links. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> I went to no, go I see only... myself and then like, um, well, I opened the door and I was like, ah! Because there was <laughs> a cricket, like a big cricket in the sink, but I wasn't expecting to see it there. So it scared me. So then okay, Randy had to come thing. rescue it. The word cricket is makes it sound so innocent. Yeah. People think cricket and they think innocent. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like, you know, but they are alarming to see. Yeah. When you're like, not expecting to see are, a cricket, it is shocking. It is. They are one one of the most jarring insects. So yeah. I was about to say. They have really long upon. little little feeler I've guys. Had too yeah. many. I've had, I'm only on my second surge and I was already like, they are the most alarming to gaze upon. Like, I don't know who I just became in that moment. (laughs) All right, let's get into this extended episode so that you can get back into the air conditioning and I can turn my air conditioning back on. (laughs) Yes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode where we're going to be talking about Icelandic folklore. So my first question to you, Mars, what do you know about Icelandic folklore? Uh, not a lot. Uh, I think I mentioned in the main episode about Eurovision, uh-huh. the song contest movie. That's about it. Is it Rachel McAdams praying to the elves to help them succeed in life? And that's pretty much it. Though it strikes me as one of those countries that probably has some pretty deep and creepy old old folklore. Girl, you are on the right track. Like all of the folklore. I mean, sure, there must be some that isn't, but basically everything I saw is like super creepy. And I think it's maybe a reflection of, you know, the landscape and the harsh conditions weather-wise there that like the way that their folk tales came together are 
They're a little dark. They're a little creepy. Also, it's one of those, like, you know, places where people have been there for so long that it definitely lends to, this is going to be an aged folklore. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, okay, so you're not familiar. Can you think of anything off the top of your head that you know about the folklore? Is there anything I should avoid in this this list of uh, things? The only thing that immediately popped in my head was the ritual, but I don't think mm-hmm. they were in Iceland for the ritual. Mm. Were they? I'm trying to remember where did that take place. I think it was. I think it was in Scandinavia, but I think it was like in Europe somewhere. You know what I mean? Like more yeah. mainland uh, continent. Yeah. But I mean, I all of these these sort of things are sort of weaved together, right? Because it's like the son of Loki, and you know that all kind of all that part of the world. That, this is so ignorant. I'm probably totally wrong. But my understanding is that all of those, that part of the world kind of has some of that background because, like, the people that came over to Iceland came from there and brought those traditions. So I think that all works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, good. So you have a little sort of at least a vibe of the way things are. Over yeah. There. Yeah. So I have a list of the five creepiest sort of over the five uh, creatures from Icelandic folklore that should be turned into horror movies. It's from uh, horror DNA. So I'm going to tell you about these and you tell me what you think. And if you want a movie about them. Oh, okay. 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 And I, ha- yeah. there's pictures. Uh, so I'll show them to you. I'll describe it and then I'll send you, I'll put a link to the picture um, in the chat here. So let me get this one ready. Okay. Excellent. Okay. So, um, Let's see here. Let me get back to this. I personally love any sort of folklore kind of thing. That's like definitely a genre that I really, really love. And I'm realizing this is an untapped potential. Because this is, that's part of the reason why I really wanted to do this. Because as soon as I saw like folk horror in the description, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Rachel. Oh, Rachel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah." I just saw, I I have it on my list of things for us to maybe do, but I just watched um, Unwelcome. Have you watched this yet? No, I haven't. So this is like, um folk horror that takes place in England. So it's like, yeah. But it's about the red caps, which are these like little goblins. Oh. And it's definitely one that the like definitely broke the formula for me. Like I was like, oh, I know what this movie is gonna be. And then it was not that. So Ooh, I think sometime okay. in the near future we're going to be covering Unwelcome, mostly just because I I I got so, I need somebody else to watch it. Like <laughs> I feel like nobody's yeah. watching it, and I'm like I need somebody to talk to about this. That my poor partner has probably done talking about this movie, but I'm like, no, but I really want to talk about that end again because I have a lot of uh, thoughts about the end. <laughs> I can be that person. for Okay, you. it's more. It's not as it's it's definitely more schlocky than than like Lamb is an art film this is a creature feature that has some fun twists on folklore i don't know i like goblins i was on board as soon as you said these and they're like kind of like puppety henson-y like they look like the brian froud era of jen henson kind of thing okay yeah and but it's and it's gory so like Mm. yeah it's just fun and also kind of it's kind of nasty and mean too i don't know we'll see we'll see what you think all right so let's get into this. The first creature I'm going to tell you about is called the Scofin. Are you familiar with a creature called the Scofin? No, but my initial thought is anything that is has a goofy name is often very horrifying. Kind of yeah. like scurvy, right? Yes. Scurvy sounds goofy as hell. Horrific. But yeah. the actual, like, having scurvy. Was, I mean, the creature so. kind of looks like it has scurvy. Now that you're saying. Yeah. yeah. 